Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could be here. This is the second part of our series, Relationship Rehab. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, come on somebody, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. How many guys know with Jesus, every single one of us has been chosen, come on. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, one he loves come on let's clap our hands thank you so much worship team hey you guys can be seated we're so glad you guys could be here this morning my name is Harrison I'm the pastor here if this is your very first time with us at Kingdom Church we just want you to know that we're so happy you've been here uh, that you're here we've been praying for you we've been waiting for you we've been expecting you and we love you uh, we're in the midst of a series now called uh, <clears throat> relationship rehab uh, can you guys just let me know, was anyone here for part one of Relationship Rehab? Make some noise. <clears throat> so good. Um, what we said last week, Relationship Rehab, part one, the problem is me. We kind of said that that message is going to set a backdrop for the whole series. So if you weren't able to listen to that, if you weren't able to watch that, I want to encourage you, uh, go onto our website, go onto YouTube, SoundCloud, listen to it, watch it. But we had this one fundamental thought, and what we said is that relationships are not meant to make us whole. We said relationships can make us holy, but they cannot make us whole because God has already made us whole. And Jesus is the only one that can make us whole. You guys remember this? Anyone that was here? Amazing. So we're doing part two uh, this this morning. And so I'll share the title with you guys. The title of of this message, Relationship Rehab, uh, is Define the Relationship. Define the Relationship. Touch the person next to you and say, define it. define it. One thing I've realized, um, I've realized in life that there's like, there's really no greater feeling uh, than the feeling of being chosen. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like one of the best feelings in the world. And now I've told you guys aspects of, um, if you've been with our, in our church, I've told you aspects of, of our love story, of my wife and my, my wife and myself. Um, but I've never told this aspect of our love story. Can I tell you guys an aspect of it? And so I'll, I'll never forget it because it was the very first time that we ever actually hung out. And so this was huge. And so what you need to understand, if you guys have never heard any parts of our stories, my wife and I, we met when we were freshmen at university. And my wife, she entered university with the belief she was the bachelorette. Um, and so just people vying for a heart and, and giving out roses, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I remember the very first time I talked to her, um, I'm not going to lie, like I never wanted to stop talking to her. Come on, somebody. And so the only problem was, though, that like she was always surrounded by like, people vying for her heart, even like the friend group that she had, it was like one girl and like five guys, I'm not sure like if they were all kind of thinking the same thing, but regardless, time with her was extremely limited and it was hard, and so I'll never forget what happened this one fateful day back in 2011, you guys want to go back to 2011 for a second? I got a Facebook message from her roommate, now thankfully with technology and the fact that I've never deleted a Facebook message, um, I'm actually able to give you guys the exact Facebook message that her roommate sent me. Do you guys want to see it? Yeah. For her roommate's sake, I, I blurred out her name, but uh, you guys can see it. I'll show it to you right now. This is, a, this is a real conversation. Can you guys see it? It's kind of small. Um, I'll read it. It says, hey, smiley face. 
Christy and I were wondering if you and Bobby, which is my friend, wanted to do something later. We are sick of our whiny friends and need someone cool to hang out with. You have been chosen. Let us know. Smiley face. Now you can see my response. Pretty cool. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, sure. When do you want to hang out? Now, it's funny because looking at this message almost 10 years later, I'm well aware of a couple things as I read that. As you read that message, what it makes it look like is that we were far from the first choice. Am I right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're just sick of our friends. But... And then the second thing is like, you have been chosen. Like, are they drawing names from a hat? Like, what, like, what is this? But it's funny because I'll never, I'll never forget where I was when I got that message. I had my iPhone 3GS come off somebody. And no data at the time, no data plan. So I was connected to Wi-Fi and I was sitting on the steps. And I'll never forget when this notification came on. And it's funny because looking back, and it's kind of bad as I read it 10 years later, but in that moment, like, I did not care. All that I remember was, you are chosen. And I was like, yes. And uh, let's just say we've been choosing each other ever since. Come on, somebody. Oh. <laughs> but it's funny because I, I think in life, you guys would agree, there's probably no better feeling than being chosen. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's not even relationally. Like in sports, you guys ever been chosen for something before? Like it's just, it's, no. Someone say no. So you know, the pain, you know the pain of not being chosen, which is just as powerful as the, pain, as the pleasure of being chosen. Um, but there's, there's nothing more powerful in life than being chosen. And what's so cool is I, I just look back in our relationship now, and we're married, and we have kids. And um, in every step of our relationship, uh, there was just different stages where we chose each other. Like I remember when we told each other we liked each other, when we became boyfriend and girlfriend, when we got engaged, when we got married. And in every stage, as we define things, we were choosing each other over and over again. And in every single stage, it got better and better and better. And it was just amazing. And, and I, just, I, I just believe it. There's nothing better than the feeling of being chosen. And as you define things, as you, as you choose things, it gets better and better and better. But I've noticed something. There's a trend in our world, and you guys can, can let me know if you've ever experienced this, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen this. But I think as a society, we're trending in a direction where people don't want to define anything. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you guys met these people? It's couples. Maybe you guys are sitting here this morning. This is going to be awkward. But it's like you hang out all the time, you do everything all the time, but you're like, hey, are you guys dating? It's like, no, we're just having fun. And it's funny, I've shared this before, but there's a meme that I saw online and it kind of just, I think it really just summed up this whole idea nicely um, of this idea of our culture not wanting to define things. Um, it was this meme and it said that awkward moment um, when you live together and have a kid, but you're still not sure if you're dating. Because like you haven't defined anything. And it's a funny meme and I laughed, but I think it really is a microcosm of our culture where people don't want to define anything. Now, it's not just my ideas. It's not just things that I've noticed. We actually have statistics to back this up. Now, if anyone, if you follow marriage statistics, um, one thing that you'll see is that marriage uh, in the last 25 years, the rate of divorce has actually lowered. So divorce rate's not as, as what it used to be. It's actually getting better. And so um, there are some positives to that, but one of the overarching things that you'll see and one of the reasons that most people believe divorce rate is lowering is because few and fewer people are getting married. Right? In the last 25 years, cohabitation, which is two people living together without being married, uh, those numbers, depending on what you look at, has gone up by like 700%. The number in the United States of people that live together without being married, like it's, it's doubled in the last 20 years. Like 25 years ago, like it just did not happen, 
right? But now it's like almost, a, a, like if you talk to couples, it's kind of like, well, that's the next step, right? And, and it's this idea, and I'm not saying every single couple is like this, but I think as a society, you guys see what I'm saying, we're moving towards this, this place where we don't want to actually define things. Can you guys see what I'm saying? Now, it's not everyone, but I think this just paints a microcosm of our culture because it's like, well, I don't want to actually define things and get married, so instead, we'll just live together without any definition. Now, the title of our message this morning is Define the Relationship, and I'm of the belief that there is nothing better than a defined relationship. There's nothing better than knowing exactly where you stand. But what I want to do this morning is I don't want you to take my word for it, I want us to head to the Bible, uh, what we said in this series, that we're going to be in the Word um, for everything, because I don't want you guys to take what I have to say about relationships. I want to see what the Bible says about relationships. And so I'm of the belief that a relationship that is not defined is actually missing something. It's missing something. And I want us to go into the Word to see that. Before we get there, I'm going to tell you where we're going to start this morning. We're going to be in a book of the Bible called The Songs of Solomon. So if anyone's ever been in this book, it's kind of like a sexy book. Let's go. Like there's just like there's a lot going on. If you ever read it, like it's talking about the nectars of a woman. I'll let you figure out whatever that may be. It talks about like the definition of a man. It talks about the breasts of a woman. I'm just talking about the Bible, y'all, so calm down. It's, it's, this, it's kind of this book, and it's funny. Like actually in Jewish culture, uh, they did not permit Jewish boys to read this book until they were of age. They're like, you're not ready yet. And so... In our church, there's no restrictions, so teenage boys start reading the Bible. <laughs> but it's funny for all the, 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 the explicity of this, of this book, the reality is this book, what it is doing, it is describing the love between a husband and a wife. And it's just describing the beauty of a love. And there is definitely this sexual nature. And I'm not going to dig into sex too much this week. We're going to save that for next week. But there's this idea that there is this beauty within sex in a defined relationship. In fact, there's nothing more beautiful than sex within a defined relationship. And that's kind of one of the themes of the book of Song of Solomon. But there is also this other theme. There's this other theme of something in relationships that is so important. Something in relationships that whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, our hearts cry out for. Can I show you? We're going to look at two passages um, and there's many in Song of Solomon, but I, just, I think these two kind of paint the picture. Song of Solomon chapter 7 says this. It says, I am my lover's, and he claims me as his own. He claims me as his own. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 8. It says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring in the grave. Now, what you need to understand about a seal is that a seal was a, a, a marker of identification. It showed who you belong to. And so in the context of this relationship, what she's crying out, she's saying, place me like a seal over your heart. What that means is privately, I want you to choose me as your own. When it says, place me like a seal over your arm, it's saying publicly, listen to this, the cry of my heart is for you to choose me as my own. It's, you see, I have this belief, and when it comes to relationships, and we see it over and over again in the Song of Solomon, there is this cry in our hearts for relationships to be defined. And one of the strengths of marriage is that marriage is the ultimate definition of a relationship. You have defined it. You guys see what I'm saying? You guys are awfully quiet. That means I'm good or bad. I'm not sure. Here's the point I want us to make. I think as a people, and, I, and, and we're going to suss this out, but we all crave 
definition. We crave definition. Whether we know it or not, every single one of us in our hearts crave definition. And this looks so many ways for so many different people depending on what stage of the relationship that you're in. Can I tell you something? If there's single guys out there, single guys listening to this, ladies, if he's in the friend zone, he wants to know. Am I right? It doesn't really even matter what the definition is. He just wants to know. He, he just wants to know where he stands. And, and it goes like this. Ladies are the exact same way. If you're not feeling it, she wants to know. But we live in this culture, we live in this time where it's like we don't have to define anything. We'll just, we'll just have a good time, we'll just do all of these things and nothing has to be defined. But what I believe to be true is that your relationship will only go as deep as you are committed. It will only be as good as as deep as the commitment is. Because the reality is this, I think the reason as a culture, and, and I'm painting this in a large brush, but I think one of the reasons that people do not like definition is because when things are defined, it ties them in. That's why they don't like definition. You want to know why I know this? I'm like that. One thing you know about me, if I'm your friend, I apologize in advance. I don't like making plans. Like, especially like on Saturday nights and like Sundays and people are like, let's make a plan. I'm like, No. And it's not because I don't want to hang out with you. I do want to hang out with you. But I also know, like, if the plan is made, I'm tied to it. And so if for some reason I go home and I get tired, I can't sleep. Like, I'm committed. And so, like, I know it drives Christy crazy because she's the opposite. Like, she loves making plans and she loves waking up on Sunday morning and documenting every hour of what our day is going to look like. That's just not me. Because when, when, when something is committed, like, when something has been defined, I know that I have to be committed to it. I can't back out. You see, when it comes to relationships, I think one of the reasons that so many of us do not want to define something is because it actually ties us in. And so I say, you know what? If this person's actually my girlfriend, if this person's actually my boyfriend, if they're my fiance, if they're my husband, if they're my wife, if I define it, I'm tied in. And so it's so much easier to just let things go and say, you know what? We'll figure this out as we go. Can I tell you guys something? You need to stay with me. There is absolutely no reason that you need to define a relationship. You don't have to. A lot of people will rush in to say, are you my boyfriend, are you my girlfriend? Like you can actually slow down, you can take a step back. You don't have to define anything. But here's the caveat and listen very closely. If you're not gonna define anything, that is fine. But your investment should only go as deep as your commitment. Come on Lord, write this one down, they need to hear this. You don't have to define, I'm not saying that a person you're talking to right now, like you have to say like, hey, where are we right now? Like if it's been one week, calm down, psycho. Like that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, you should only invest in a relationship as deep as you are committed. Can I tell you something? So many of us invest in things that we're not committed to. And that's the recipe for heartbreak. That's the recipe for heartbreak because you're putting something in and there's really no commitment. You see, it doesn't matter what the commitment is. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that whatever level of your relationship you're at, there are certain things that you should only be doing based on the level of commitment. Now, some of you guys are like, all right, here it is, pastor. He's going to tell us to wait to have sex until we're married. Yes. <laughs> but hold on, there's so much more to that. There's so much more to that. 
So I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but there's many ways to get naked that don't involve taking your clothes off. You see, and especially for Christians too, right? Because it's like, you know what, I know I'm not going to have sex until I'm married, but I'm still going to tell the person everything about me. Like Christians do this all the time, right? It's like first date and you tell your whole life story. We call it our testimony. (laughs) You see, when it comes to relationships, your investment should only go as deep as your commitment. If you're investing in someone and the relationship is not strong, it will become disastrous. It'll become disastrous. And we've all experienced this. Maybe we're sitting here this morning and there are people that have parts of us that have no business having parts of us. And we're spread everywhere. The reality is this. As people, we have to understand, this goes back to last week, we need to understand how valuable we are. And if we are extremely valuable, what that means is that not everyone deserves a piece of me. Not everyone has access to my heart. Not everyone can get the keys. It's like last week uh, after church, uh, we found out that we forgot all of the camera stuff here at the church. And uh, it was super annoying because like, once I leave this place, I love this place, don't really want to come back for a couple days. But we had to come back here to get the camera stuff. And so we were at my house and uh, my dad was over. And uh, my dad was there. My in-laws were actually still at my house as well. And uh, I was like, okay, we got to go get the camera. Um, but I was like, dad... Uh, your car is parked behind me, like you're blocking me in. Uh, and I'm like, you're going to have to move, or you could give me the keys to your car. Now what you need to understand about my dad is that uh, I'm a pastor, and my dad's a doctor. And so you could tell our occupations simply by lining our vehicles up <laughs> next to each other. Oh, that's a pastor. <laughs> it's a nice car for a pastor. So my dad has a really nice car. If you want to know what he drives, you can go follow him after church. It'd be weird, but <laughs> if you're super curious. But it's a nice car, I'll tell you that much. Like, like it's got not just sport mode, it has sport mode plus. And uh, so I was, like, I, was like, I was like, Dad, you can move your car or you can give me the keys. And uh, he was like, sure, son, take the car. And I'm like, come on, somebody. <laughs> and so Christy and I, like, we drove, <laughs> we drove the car uh, to the church. And, you know, I'm testing out the features to see what this thing can do. But at the end of the day, I'm also being very safe. Because I know how much this car is worth. I know if something happens to it, I really can't afford to fix it. Um, And it's also my dad's, right? And so it's not mine. I'm going to care for it deeply. And so we got to the church, got the camera, came back home. Everything was good. Um, Later that night, my mother-in-law asked me a question. She was like, were you surprised that your dad gave you the keys to the car? And I was like, no, I wasn't really surprised because I think he trusts me because I'm his son. And we have a relationship like that. Like, I think in the same way, he trusts my brother with the keys because that's his son. In the same way, he wouldn't trust his daughter with the keys. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Been working on that one all week, not gonna lie. No, but the, the reality is, though, listen, listen, listen. Like, come back, come back, come back, come back. The reason that he trusted me with the keys to an expensive car was because of our relationship. It was because he trusted me, because I was his son, because we had that bond. Here's the reality. He's not given everyone the keys to his car because he knows how valuable that car is. And so it's going to take a very special person to get the keys to the car. Do you guys see what I'm saying? What we found out last week, we said God has given each and every one of us intrinsic and existential amazing value. You are so valuable 
We understand that cars are valuable, but sometimes we don't see how valuable we are. You know what that means? If you are valuable, super simple, that means not everyone deserves the keys to your car. Not everyone deserves the keys. I'm not talking about sex. There, there are things about yourself. There are stories that you don't need to tell with anyone else because it's no one's business, especially if it's not defined. Investment, come on, should only go as deep as commitment. Literally what I'm saying, guys, is this. Sometimes you just got to slow down. You have to slow down. There's absolutely nothing wrong with getting to know someone but we need to slow down. Another, uh, another thing in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, um, this is just verse 4, but this, this, if you read the book, you'll see this warning time and time again. It just talks about the beauty of marriage and the beauty of sex and, and all of these things. And the book is so beautiful, but it will always take a pause. Every couple of stanzas, and it'll say, what? But it says, promise me this, O woman of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until the time is right. It's saying, look, this is so amazing. This can be so amazing. But do not awaken it until the time is right. In other words, everything that's being described, it's not for every aspect. It's not for every season of a relationship. Every season calls for different investments. You're like, all right, pastor, I get it, but give me something practical. You guys want practical? What does it look like practically? Like, it's 2020, I get it. Like, I get that, you know, people get on Tinder and, and Bumble and whatever else you all do. Nothing wrong with that. But here's something super practical, because I've, I've experienced this time and time again. If the person that you're seeing refuses to delete their app after they're seeing you, come on, somebody, you can only invest so much into that person, because they're not that invested into you. Investment should only go as deep as, listen to this. Can I tell you guys something? And you guys are like, Pastor, how old school are you? This is 2020. If you're friends, if you are just friends, you do not need to have any physical aspect in your relationship. Some of you guys are shocked. Listen to this. If you're just friends, you don't need to hold hands. I'm going to call it like it is. You don't need to hug that person long for long. <laughs> I don't know who does like elongated hugs, but, but listen, you don't need to kiss because the depth of your relationship, you're not there yet. Can I tell you guys something? I, I dislocated my shoulder, by the way, um, last night. And so this illustration works better with more flexibility, but I'll try my best. Rob, Rob was there. Come on, somebody. I'll be signing autographs after. Okay. okay. And this has just become this demon in the front row. Um, so listen, investment. Because you're saying, okay, Harrison, like, I, like, what's the big deal with physicality Like, when we're friends? like, We need to test things out. We need to see if we have that connection. Can I tell you guys something? When it comes to relationships, there's a depth to it. And if your relationship just starts, I'm going to be honest, it's shallow. Can you guys see that? Like, it's, it's just shallow. And so what happens when you bring physicality into it, physicality, no matter what it is, and it has depths, obviously, but physicality is deep. And so when you bring something deep into a shallow relationship, you're bringing in a depth that your relationship cannot control. It doesn't fit. You know what happens so many times, and I'll tell you guys this, in relationships, one of the reasons that people will stay in bad relationships 
is because they've added physicality to it. And the physicality has actually masked the shallowness of their relationship. But the physical just feels so good. You think you love that person. But your relationship's actually like this. You ever met someone you can't figure out why they're staying with that person? Because everyone else can see it, but they can't see it? It's because it's shallow, but they have this depth that's masked the shallowness. And that's what physicality does. Now listen to this. I'm going to talk about sex for just a second. More next week. Come back. But what the Bible tells us is that sex is the deepest form of intimacy, physically speaking. And so what that means is if your relationship is not deep enough, and the Bible says the depth of a relationship for sex is marriage. It says if your relationship is not deep enough, when you bring sex into the equation, you're bringing something in that your relationship is just not deep enough to handle. And the results will be disastrous. And so that's why we say invest only as deep as you are committed. He says, do not awaken love until the time is right. Do not awaken time until the time. Do not awaken love until the time is right. And here's the reality, friends. This is why definition is so important. Because if it's not defined, how will you know what's appropriate? You're just guessing. And that's what so many of us do. We just guess and we guess and we guess. But there's just this beauty, I believe, when you define the relationship, when you give the keys to the person that deserves it. Because here's the reality. There is so much more to, physically speaking, there's so much more to relationships than physicality. Proverbs 31 says this. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What he's saying, he's saying when it comes to relationships, and anyone in a relationship knows this, if your relationship has no depth beyond physicality, it's not going to go very far because physicality is only one small part of the relationship. When you have brand new twins, physicality has gone. <laughs> and so listen, your relationship, I don't know who has twins, your relationship better be deeper than just physical. And anyone in a relationship, in a long-term relationship, will let you guys know physicality eventually fades. It's a part of it, and it always needs to be a part of it. Come back next week. But if that's just the basis, if that's all your relationship has, it's not going to go very far because it's not actually deep. That's why he says charm and beauty are fleeting. But there are things that are so much. Fear of the Lord is important. Can I tell you guys something, some simple advice? Spiritually speaking, I hope you and your partner are on the same level you're at least pointed in the same direction because that's something in a relationship that matters. It matters. That's what Proverbs 31 is telling us. You see, when a relationship is defined, we have a better understanding of where we stand and then we can better know what we should give. Everyone following? Now for my married folks, a lot of us are like, yes, so glad I defined it. Nothing applies to me. Can I tell you guys something? You can define something, but if your definition of what you have just defined is incorrect, you can still mess up. So you can define it, but if you have the wrong definition of what you have just defined, if you have the wrong definition of marriage, hold on, listen, it doesn't matter that you've defined it, you can still mess up because you got the wrong picture. Let me try to suss this out. And for for those of you guys who are not married, this is even more applicable to you because you're not here yet, but you need to hear this. For those of us who are married, I hope this helps. Matthew chapter 19, this is a funny story. Not funny, but it's a story. It says this. 
It says, the Pharisees came up to him, speaking about Jesus, and they tested him, asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And so these Pharisees, these religious dudes, are like, hey, Jesus, like what? Really, like what is the point where you can divorce someone? Like when is, when is it lawful? Like at what point does the contract get broken and, and you can just say, see ya? It's like, what point? Jesus responds, verse four. He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. You see, the Pharisees' question is essentially this. At what point is the contract broken? At what point can you just say, hey, you know what, this isn't working anymore? And Jesus, he gets down to the very heart of the issue. The essence of what Jesus is saying, he's saying, when, you're, when, you come, when it comes to marriage, he says, the picture that you have is incorrect. He says, your thinking is incorrect. He says, the essence of marriage is not contract. The essence of marriage is covenant. It's not about what's going to, it's about two people becoming one. So listen, this is the most important definition of marriage for those of us who are in it, those of us who will be there one day. Marriage is not a contract, marriage is a covenant. And so what we need to do, because we're talking about definition, we need to change our definition of what marriage is. Because if we go into marriage, if we're in a marriage and we have contract thinking, do you know what contract thinking is like? You guys know what it's like? It's like, how many of you guys ever got a contract at work before? You ever read it and it's like, man, what can I get away with? Like, how many hours can I work from home? Like, let's get, let's get the fine print in there, right? And contracts end. Contracts can be broken. Contracts can be made void. And so you see, for so many of us, we'll define the marriage, that's fantastic, but then we'll come into it and we'll start thinking contract instead of covenant. But the very essence, the very heart of marriage is not contract, it's covenant. You see, I, I, love, I love marrying people for the most part, if it's Josh and Chelsea, everyone else has been okay too. Just choking, Tristan and Brittany, love you guys too. Married y'all. Um, you guys want to get married? But uh, <laughs> not anymore after I said that. Um, one thing I love in marriage ceremonies, I love vows. And I always encourage people to write their own vows. And I said, even if like, you know, you don't feel like you're good at it, just write your own. And some people do, some people don't, doesn't matter. I like all vows. And the one thing I love about vows is that vows, the very heart of them, it's covenantal. It's not contractual. Let me show you what I mean. You guys have never been to a marriage, uh, to a wedding, where it says, I will love you every single day as long as you wash the dishes. I promise to support you in everything that you do as long as you don't gain weight. You guys have never heard vows like that. You know why? Because that's not a covenant, that's a contract. A contract says, this is what you do, this is what I do because of what you do. I work 40 hours a week, you pay me $20 an hour. That's a contract. But a covenant, what Jesus is saying, it's when two become one. It's not what are you going to do for me, what am I going to do? It's, it's two lives becoming one. And that's why Jesus says what no one, what, what God has brought together, let no one separate. Because the reality of marriage, the reality of covenant is that covenants are not meant to end. Yeah. That, that's just, that's the essence of what it is. 
And so when we can come into our marriages, even before marriage, if you're in marriage right now, if you can switch your thinking to to covenant thinking instead of contract thinking, it's going to help you out a lot. Because when you think covenant, you know what that means? It means no matter what happens, I'm not giving up. It's like, uh, I remember a few months ago, we were doing um, our twins' nursery. Um, We had to put up blinds. And we were pre-parents then, so we fell for this trap that says, like, you need the nursery ready before the babies come. Um, Now we're three months in, and the babies have been in there once. Um, (laughs) But, like, before we were like, yeah, we got to get this thing done. And so I was putting up blinds uh, in the nursery, and I make no qualms about it. I'm not that that handy. I'm not that good with that kind of stuff. And so um, I was doing the things, putting up the blinds, and, and the blinds, I mean, our first problem was they are from Ikea. That's always your first problem. But the, the, the blind hook, the blind pole, I guess I should say, had to go on two hooks. And so I put up one hook, and for whatever reason, it got in perfectly, and it was done. I was like, yes, fantastic. The second hook, come on, somebody, the second hook, I was having extreme difficulties with. Because what you had to do, I had to get my drill, and I had to drill a hole into the wall, and it was this really tight space. And what kept happening is the screw kept going flying. Like, I try to screw it in, and they just go flying. And so every single time I'd lose the screw, I'd get super, super angry. But then what happened is when I finally screwed it in, it didn't stay in. Like, have you guys ever had that when you make the hole too big? Because you've, like, been jiggling and stuff. And so, like, literally, I made three holes. And, like, for each hole, each disaster, I'm getting so angry. And Christy's there, and she knows not to talk to me in this state. But she said something very interesting. She was like, hey, why don't we just stop? Just stop. Just take a break. Do this later. And I said something to her. I said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) I said, I'm not going to stop until the job is done. You want to know why? Listen, because I know the reality that if I went downstairs, all I would be thinking about would be those blinds. And for me, I would be more angry that I gave up than I did when I was trying to fix it. Because what I think it happens in life is that the pain of giving up is so much greater than the pain. The pain of giving up is greater than the pain of staying. Let me say that again. The pain of giving up is greater than the pain of staying. What happens in marriage is we get to this point, and I'll canvas with this. If you've had failed marriages, don't take this as judgment. Don't take this as indignation. And I understand there are times in relationships where safety is important and you can't stay in the relationship. I get that. So that's a preface. But I'm saying for a vast, vast majority of marriages that go through seasons, that go through things, a lot of times we have this belief that the pain of staying in the marriage will be greater than the pain of leaving. I'll just leave because I cannot get through what I'm doing right now. It's just too hard. But what covenant thinking lets us say is when we say, you know what, I've made a covenant, I've bound myself, I'm not leaving until the job is done. I'm not leaving until this thing ends, and this thing doesn't end until my life ends. And so, we, and you know what happens when you think covenantally instead of contractually? It changes how you deal with everything. It changes how you deal with conflict. When Christy and I get into conflict the two times in 10 years, The way that I talk to her, I don't talk to her in a way that, you know, I can say something and it's not going to matter. I speak to her with the understanding I'm going to be with her forever. 
And so I can't just say whatever I want to say. I can't just say whatever I'm feeling because I'm going to be with this person forever. It changes everything. But when you think contractually, you don't think very hard about what you say. Because I can hurt someone really, really badly and there is a chance that we could leave. But when it's like, man, I'm in this thing forever, it changes everything. And I just believe it in my soul. The pain of leaving will be greater than the pain of staying. And I know that there are people, you go through things in seasons, in relationships, you're like, man, I don't think I can get through this. But I believe it to be true that God can heal, God can restore. There was a study done on marriages and people that stay together. And what it said is that two-thirds of unhappy marriages become happy within half a decade, within five years, if people opt to stay together over getting divorced. It was a comprehensive study. But what I just found out over and over again is that the majority of people that said, you know what, let's stick it out, things got better. Things got better. It's, it's covenant thinking. Now, some of us are like, well, Harrison, that's great. Like, I understand that we need to stay, but I've never seen a healthy relationship. I've never seen a covenant. What does that look like? Here's the beauty. The God that we serve is a covenantal God. He works in covenants. Over and over, and the Bible is filled with covenants that God makes with human beings. God makes a covenant. Jesus has made the greatest covenant. Matthew 26 says this. It says, this is my blood of the covenant, which has been poured out for many for, for, the, for the forgiveness of sins. You see, Jesus on the cross, he showed us what a covenant looks like. You know what a covenant looks like? I will be faithful unto the point of death. I'll pour out my blood for you. I'll sacrifice everything for you. That's covenant thinking. When we go into relationships, covenant thinking, it's like, man, I'll give you everything. But listen to this. We're going back now. If you have not entered into that covenant relationship that is marriage, that person does not yet deserve everything. And if we're giving them everything at the wrong time, Time and time again, we will see disaster. But the reality is this. Because of who Jesus is, because of his goodness, because of his grace, God has defined his relationship with us. When he died on the cross, he said, this is exactly where you stand. This is where you stand. Come on, let's just stand for a second as we close. Prince, turn out of Belong. Here we go. You see, the beauty of when God has defined the relationship with us, let me tell you what this looks like. That means no matter where we go, that means no matter what we do, no matter how far we have fallen for grace, when God died for us, when Jesus shed his blood for us, what he is saying, he's saying, my covenant, my commitment to you is greater than anything that you could do. God said, I'm not leaving. He said, I'm not leaving. And so what that means is that anything that you can do, all you have to do is come back. And God is faithful and God is just to forgive us. But listen, this is the same thinking that we need to have in marriage. It's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. This relationship has been defined. I love what Ephesians said. We read it at the start. It said, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. You're his son, that means you have value. 
You know, the reason that God calls us to drop everything and follow him is because he's defined the relationship. It's because he's let us know where we stand. And so listen to this, friends, wherever we are in whatever aspect, whatever part of our relationships, unless someone has defined it to that point, we don't drop everything. But if we have defined it, if we have made that commitment, we say, man, I'm giving my all to you. I'm gonna fight for this marriage. I'm gonna fight for this relationship. I'm gonna think of this as a covenant. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna love you like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. That's my example. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving because Jesus never left me. And he's my example for relationship. It's not my family. It's not television. It's nothing I've seen. It's Jesus. Christ died for us and gave himself up for the church that he loved. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray for our relationships in a second. But we just want to give you the opportunity if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never fully understood the fact that God has defined it, that God died for you, that God has made you a son, that God has made you a daughter, we want to give you that chance right here, right now. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. What we're going to do, I'm just going to count to three, super simple. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just show me your hand, that's it. And we'll go on a journey with you. If that's you right now, I'm going to count to three. And one, two, three. Just show me your hand. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to plan your visit today. We can't wait to see you in person. Until next time, 